We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, guys? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 405. Today's show is brought to you by betonline.ag. BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all things sports. Uh, we got a, just a little bit of a different format today. Andrew is away for the weekend, so we had to record early. We recorded actually Friday night, or I'm sorry, Friday morning together and... You know, I wanted to give just a little bit of a buffer for the weekend because I know Manfred was uh, scheduled to talk and we were hearing from uh, some more people on this Houston Astros thing that's just not going away. I'm, I'm, I'm done fighting it. It's it's here to stay forever probably. So, you know, we're going to talk about it as, as things come out. So the, the, the thing that gets me is that when we're looking for more comments, additional information, which will continue to come out, I guarantee it. Um... The the one consistent piece that we're seeing is the lack of accountability, it seems like, whether it's from 
the owner of the Houston Astros down to the players of the Houston Astros basically giving us these half-ass apologies saying that they're you know sorry and have remorse and all this nonsense you know while while reading body language and and just looking at the way that they're talking and everything it's just so clear that they do not care about it and now we're having Carlos Correa walking out and talking to media like he's this big bad dude and the arrogance just keeps on coming because at this point Carlos Correa is walking out in front talking with uh, Rosenthal and saying I'm a man I'm here talking to you so that you understand what I'm where I'm saying what I'm uh, what I'm trying to tell you you can look at me in the eye and know that I'm telling you the truth in what world does you standing out there after all of this came out make us have to believe anything you say anything just because you're talking about it now doesn't mean a goddamn thing it it, it baffles my mind how arrogant and just it, how blinding arrogance these guys these guys are and, and just it, it continues it never ends it's they are doubling down and doubling down and doubling down and whether it's you know these excuses coming out of um you know the shirt not wanting to come off because of the wife getting mad or now Correa is talking about a tattoo that was bad on the collarbone I mean what are we doing here guys like wh- what are we doing the the fact that you're making shit up at this point to just lie more and extend these lies cuz they will all at some point down the line be exposed as lies i guarantee it it's just it's it's mind numbing and then on sunday of course we get rob manford to come out and call a press conference and is able to talk about these things and and take questions from reporters and basically just defending what he's already done i mean that's essentially what happened and and trying to act like he's just gonna cap this thing off by him coming out and being the almighty voice and talking about it and all he did was just reaffirm that one the decision for the the penalties that he implemented were not were not good they were not uh strong enough they were not just they basically didn't do anything to prevent these guys from cheating and for him to have the balls and stand up there and say, well, we gave the players immunity so that we could have the information of what's happening. Okay, that's one thing, which I disagree. And especially when you have a guy like Fires coming out and already talking. But to say that because we gave them immunity, why would they be truthful in the in the uh, recollection of talking about 2017, but then lie about 18 and 19? Why would they do that? We gave them immunity. They now can talk freely. Well, I don't know, Manfred. Maybe it's because it's their reputation. Maybe it's because they don't want to make this even worse for themselves in their own minds by admitting to additional cheating. Maybe because they are holding on to dear God that this buzzer thing doesn't actually really come out and get exposed for you know being an actual buzzer or something along those lines. Whatever the extension of the cheating was, it baffles my mind. So Manfred's going on and, and basically doubling down saying that, yeah, you know, why would these guys lie? I believe them. I believe that, you know, what we did was the right way to go. And they were consistent about everything they said in 2017 and then everything and how they basically denied what they were doing in 2018 and 2019. Okay. Like they didn't get their story straight ahead of time. I'm sure that that never happened. I'm sure that the closed doors 
Astros policy didn't run extremely deep and have these guys become consistent with their messaging. I mean, I was talking to Andrew about this uh, in the show in a, in a few minutes, but the look between Crane and Alex Bregman just before he starts doing his little bullshit speech is unbelievable. Anyway, we talked about that. We talked about a whole bunch of stuff, um, everything basically leading up uh, up to Friday. But yeah, I want to talk. And I also saw some some uh, talking from Cameron Maben basically saying that, you know, his his honor code is to the clubhouse he's currently in. Did, did he, you know, contribute to what happened, uh, you know, the all the things that in, in uh, Houston? Yeah, he did. But he also said that he told the, the Yankees. So it's it seems like, and I think we all kind of assumed this, but uh, the Yankees knew you know, a good deal of what was going on in previous years uh, leading up to Maben being on the Yankees. So he he definitely didn't go silent on that, which, which is good to hear. Um, what else? Just just utter ridiculousness. The Correa thing was just mind-numbing to me. Um, and then Manfred coming out and doubling down. He talked about a bunch of other things too. But uh, And then the, the news from him was basically saying that they believe that not this week, but the following week that we will have a resolution the investigation will be closed for the Red Sox so we'll see what happens with that and you know the whatever the suspensions that are looming from that investigation we should hear that from what they say uh, by by the end of next week so yay um, we will by the, ne- by the next time you uh, hear from us we will have had seen a baseball game on Saturday first game is against the Blue Jays that's exciting we get to watch these guys actually play baseball I am very excited for that I'm ready to just move on to some actual baseball with this stuff at least lingering in the background, but we'll have some real things to talk about, which is fun because baseball is supposed to be fun and not this nonsense that we've had to deal with basically the entire off season aside. Thank God Cole signed with us. Uh, that's it. Because you know, if, if that didn't happen and this was our off season, I would be a miserable human being right now. Um, little housekeeping BP crew. We are setting up chapters all over the place. We have all, uh, you know, a bunch of very strong chapters from last year that are continuing and already have a lot of events on the books. So a couple things. If you are in a city that is not New York and you want to meet up with more Yankees fans, get together for some watch parties. We got some games happening uh, on the the road as well now too. Um, Do us a favor. You can either, you can do two things. You can, uh, you could go to Facebook and search BP crew and then sign up for that group. Just just, uh, join that group. And, or you can also email Colleen and me at... Uh, at bpcrew at bronxpinstripes.com. So that's bpcrew at bronxpinstripes.com. If you shoot us an email, tell us where you are. Uh, let us know you know, what you're looking for as far as involvement. You want to go to some watch parties. You're interested in starting a chapter if we don't have one. Hit us up. Let us know. bpcrew at bronxpinstripes.com. We're basically going to take all that and uh, and put them into um, you know an email list so that we can get back in touch with you. We'll respond to you. And then if you're looking to be part of a chapter, we will kind of you know, puts you uh, in the re- in touch with the right people. So looking forward to that. That's going to be a lot of fun this year, just growing those chapters and uh, having everybody, you know, get their get their own crew in their in their cities so that we can uh, cheer on these boys as they chase that number 28. All right, guys, I appreciate you. And we will, uh, next thing, I'm going to throw it to Andrew, who gets very confused by not doing the beginning of the show and gets completely thrown off. So uh, enjoy the rest of the show, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, the podcast is starting and Scott just 
dropped a bomb on me and told me I can't do my normal <laughs> intro and I have to say something different and I'm like a lost puppy and I don't know what to say because for 404 episodes I had the same routine and after on the 405th episode Scott you just tell me do something different literally one second before we're about to press record that messes with a man god forbid god forbid you act a little flexible in this case you've done this before I don't know what you're complaining about anyway doesn't take much for me to complain man how you doing? Spring training is underway. Happy, happy times. Baseball's back. Sunshine, grass, green grass. Baseball's being thrown. Guys showing up out of their Maseratis and grainy pictures through fences and long distance videos of that. I think that's Garrett Cole over there throwing a baseball. My my favorite my favorite caption so far, besides some of the quotes that we've seen come out about the uh, scumbag Astros, is the um, Brian Hope tweeted. <laughs> Uh, a picture of Paxton because he's got this mustache. I don't know if you've mm. seen it. Oh, and yeah. he's talking about how the mustache is in the best shape of his life. <laughs> yeah, people, were people not happy about that because he's not going to be on a mound for three to four months? Uh, who cares? He's got, he's, I mean, that's a, he's, he's going with the policy there. That's, that's a, that is the way to skirt the facial hair issue is with a solid mustache. Mustache mm-hmm. was on point. I thought it was, uh, it looked good on, on, on the guy. So, you know, Do you think mustaches, because so mustaches kind of come back recently because of like the hipsters, but you have to be a certain type of person to rock a mustache now. I don't think you it's do. Either, I think you can do whatever you want. At this. In well, 2020, no, you can it's pretty ironic. much do whatever you want. I think if you see someone with a mustache, you're like, oh, that person's being ironic. But in the 80s, everybody had a mustache. Literally every, every, every man had a mustache in the 80s. Yeah. And it was the same mustache, just like thick bushy upper lip mustache like i look at my any picture of my dad or you know if there's anybody i see from the 80s that's that's above the age of like 20 they've got a mustache no that's true that's that was the that was the look and it was it was i'd say started in the mid to late 70s because you definitely see like any decade you get residual from the previous decade yeah well i mean it was like a transition into the 80s because you see i'm thinking back of pictures that i think i see like Lots of very like earth tone floral patterns, <laughs> like a, a, a brownish hue on all of the pictures. Yeah, going that's into early the 80s. 80s, and then no, that's late. That's 70s. That's late 70s going into the going into yeah. the 80s. What do you talk? You can't talk about this era. I mean, I w- I can't even talk about this era because I yeah. was barely born. I mean, even though you were born in that era, you still can't talk about it. You're not you're not qualified. You didn't grow up in it. Oh, I'm qualified, baby. I was having a conversation last night with someone um, about I think that people who were born in the and maybe you qualify for this too but i think if you were born in the mid 80s to the mid 90s that was the best time to be born as far as technology goes because we remember what it's like to grow up without a screen in front of our face 24 hours a day but then we also now can use all of this technology because we became sort of adults with this technology and I think that's sort of the sweet spot because I was, we were discussing like, imagine being, imagine being like nine years old right now. All you've ever known is tablets and screens and, and multi, multi, multi surfaces to be able to stream stuff. And it's just like, you don't, you don't have any concept of what it was like before this stuff. No, but I don't think they care <laughs> that that sounds like that sounds alien to them. So it's, it's, it's almost like, how did you live? That would be like saying that the best era is when our parents or grandparents were alive and the car came out 
or the telephone came out. I mean, it's it's all because re- I don't think you relative. can make an argument that it was better to not have a car to get around. You could. I mean, that's just more annoying people that you're in front of. <laughs> you, <laughs> you had traffic. you had your privacy. <laughs> people are like, are they ever going to talk about baseball? <laughs> it's a, it's usually a, the out of left field is saved for the end. Of yeah, the I got so I'll, the reason. I'll, I'll bitch about I'll bitch about some stuff later. The reason that it was a little bit different of an intro today is because we are recording early. We normally record on Sunday at some point for a Monday release, but uh, I'm away this weekend for the holiday weekend, so we're recording Friday morning right now. So there might be some news that happens over the weekend. We want to leave a little bit, bit of a buffer so Scott can talk about that at the beginning of the show. And you have already heard that, so you're like, Andrew, I know, shut the hell up and get on with the topic. So let's just do that very thing. What did you think of Boone's opening press conference? I liked it. <laughs> I think he's I, I like Boone. I like Boone talking because he's got that media voice in him. He's got the ability to express himself in a way that is a little a little bit more real than some of the other managers. You know, so I, I feel like he's very a lot more relatable. And he doesn't really skirt from any issues. Like if he can't talk about something, he'll just straight up you know, he'll allude to the fact that he can't talk about it. He won't like skirt around it in some bullshit way that's supposed to trick us. You know what I mean? I mean, a he's lot of managers got, he's will been do trained. That. He's been trained in the Yankees way of talking, where you say a lot of words without really saying everything. I don't think he's nearly as as down the line of a Yankees you know spokesman as a lot of the guys are. I think that he still Brian has a Cashman lot of Brian Cashman is the master. Well, yeah, Brian but, Cashman's the master of saying a lot of words without saying anything. And he, uh, I mean, Boone's got that that ESPN thing in him. I think he'll always have that. I think he was he was trained in the media by going on ESPN and talking about you know buzz topic things uh, for a long time. So his opinion was that a pun? Was that a pun? No, his oh yeah, his uh, sorry, I forgot that every time I say buzz or like trash oh, yeah, can new, or bang, I gotta talk. I gotta think about the freaking Astros. It's annoying. But the um, <laughs> well, that was the first question that he was asked. Yeah. And, the first topic of conversation for a lot of the guys arriving at spring training, not just the Astros, which we'll talk about that disaster of a press conference in a little bit. But, you know, the Yankees are heavily linked to everything that's happened with the Astros because they were bounced by them twice in recent postseasons. Right. So that's the first question that these guys are getting asked. Yeah, and I don't <laughs> I don't blame I don't blame these reporters for asking the questions. Oh, they have to. They're um, going to keep th- th- these questions. are well, going to continue. No, so I think. Yeah, but they're going to die down as far as the Yankees are concerned unless new information comes out. Which because at a which certain point, at a certain point, you have to just move on and be like, guys, it's the 2020 season now. I can't keep talking about 2017. Well, the problem is, is that it leaks into the 18, 19, and 20 season. And the, the new information that's going to come out, because it's inevitable that it will, will also leak into further seasons. Therefore, yep. stretching this on way further than... Because you must have I'm, I'm hoping now that you've been back in the states long enough and like seen enough stuff where you don't actually believe that that was a good punishment and you don't actually believe that those guys didn't know what they were talking about because when you when you dive deeper into these things and you see all the things that they're saying and you see the context of what happened you understand that these guys are all full of shit so yeah I mean they're absolutely full of shit and no one I, I think Jim Crane needs to be someone needs to step in and be like Jim Crane you don't you're not capable of owning a baseball team you can't do if that you're gonna, you can't do if that. you're gonna sit up there and say I don't think I should be held accountable like dude you are the owner of the team if you run any organization you are accountable for everything that goes on in that organization like it or not so even if the the bottom rung intern 
like did something shady and you have never even heard of that person's name or seen that person, guess what? You're responsible. So Jim Crane, you are the biggest jackass out of all of these jackasses. It's just a it's just a complete contest of jackassery. Yeah. But that's the thing. But when you talk about so the what I said when I came back and I said about the punishments that what I was really saying is that they were more than I thought because my my expectations were just on the floor. Okay, so when and I was talking to you about that, I was I hit the nail on the head by saying that your expectations got lowered so far by Emma, by Major League Baseball that because these were out there and they were existing because they were there and they were vomited out into the world and just in existence that they they exceeded your expectations. Uh yeah. And um, I, I maybe and maybe that's, that's a sad state of affairs. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, baseball just can't get out of its own way on a lot of these topics and a lot of these things that they've done recently. Um, but uh, yeah, the so so basically, it comes down to then: well, you have to punish players and, and unless they're going to unless baseball is going to say Jim Crane, you can no longer own the team, or Jim Crane, you need to fire every member that was in. That was employed in 2017 to 2019 that may have had a link to this. Yeah. Um, then, uh, yeah, the, then that just comes down to the players. And I don't even know why they bothered bringing up Bregman and Altuve to say, to say a couple words. It was – I would almost – I would have respected it more if they just got up there and been like, uh, we won the World Series, so sorry, not sorry. At least you're being honest then because basically that's what they said during, through all these fake apologies. And Bregman, you could just tell Bregman like rehearsed that that uh, that thing in the mirror like fifty times. He didn't he rehearse it; he memorized the little speech. Yeah, he. Re- it reminded me of like when I was practicing for my bar mitzvah. <laughs> like I was trying to have like the right inflection, and and your un- fingers uncer- were and touching like, the tips okay, grasp, exactly. Touch my fingers at this moment and raise my voice up when I want to sound enthusiastic, and lower my voice when I really want to sound sincere. Oh man, it was so funny. If you if you look at the very beginning of that, it's actually, I, I don't know, I haven't seen anybody really key in on, in on this, but there's a look, there's a there's an immediate little glance between Gre- uh, Bregman and I think it was from Marley Rivera's video because she was kind of on the on the left side of in front of on the left side of of Bregman, but there's a glance as soon as he walks up there from Bregman to Crane, and Crane almost gives like a, okay, like a like a <laughs> nod, like go ahead, yep, yep, okay, yep. like do it, yep. Like yeah. say say that damn thing that I we told you to say. They're purposely being obtuse. I think that's the only explanation for that press conference. No, I don't think it's that. I think that they're so freaking out of touch, and yeah. and they actually believe this goes back to the arrogance. They actually believe that they were doing the right thing and that it was good. And they, so and it's not being saying, obtuse. It's not. It's not. It's not even. They're so out of touch in their brains and in their actions that I actually believe that they thought. That was a good apology. Well, the only then th- what it That's comes the only down explanation. to. Okay, put your try and put yourself in their shoes. The only way they're completely not remorseful is if they are convinced every other team in Major League Baseball was doing the exact same thing. Nope, they are rem- they are not remorseful because they won the World Series and it worked, and they don't no, give no, no, a. F- no, no, no. That's different though. That's different because. Yes, they won the World Series, and that's the ultimate goal. So they might say it's worth it, and I would do it again, but they don't even think it's wrong. And I, I can't – the only thing I can come down to is they must be convinced it wasn't wrong because everyone else was doing it. Just for the same reason players didn't think they were doing anything wrong taking steroids. 
or they just don't think it was wrong because it was available. There's a lot of things you could get if you want to get into their minds yeah, you can about the arrogance because the- arrogance will take over your brain and it can it can it can get in your way. It can be a very clear and it's and it's one of those things that that could trickle, uh, you know, across uh, if you're in a in a room with a lot of people every day, like you're going to start acting like those people. And if you have the guy at the very top who won't hold any accountability for anything, and then you have the guy underneath him who who is no longer there but claims that he had no idea about it, just claims that it was it was not to his knowledge, even though we've seen that a lot more was to his knowledge that's, you know, that's been proven already. And and these guys are all just taking a back seat, every single one of them from the top, saying like, nope, not me, not me, not me. Of course they're all going to do that because it's been the narrative for however long, since probably 2015. At the When did that intern start? Six uh- so the code breaker thing started late in 2016. So you- and we got we got a DM from someone I'm not going to name names because I don't want to get any I don't want to blow up anyone's spot, but we got a DM to the uh, podcast account who knows so he this guy Derek Vagoa. He said that that's when you intern, said that that's name, the intern. That's the intern intern that was named in the Wall Street Journal article. The person who DM'd us knows his fiance and apparently follows her on Instagram. <clears throat> And he said, we could never figure out how her fiance went from having a low level job with the Astros to popping champagne with them in less than a year because he is, she, she posts pictures of him wearing goggles coming out of the um, dugout after the Astros clinched the 2017 um, uh, division. So in September of 2017, this guy is popping champagne with the team and apparently flying private with the team. MVA. They could not. He's like, we could not figure out my circle of friends what the hell this guy did to move up the ranks so rapidly. And he's like, and now we know. And now we know. (laughs) Most valuable nerd in the organization. So, and... Uh, and everyone, they keep saying 2017, like they're going to brainwash everyone into just thinking, oh, this is only only limited to 2017. The commissioner's report only said 2017, so that's all we're ever going to say. All the players, except Carlos Correa, have not really denied. They have not said, no, we did not use buzzers in 2018 and 2019. They've said, well, the commissioner's report didn't find anything, so that's sort of their get-out-of-jail-free card, except Carlos Correa said... He's tweeting, he's tweeting about it. And he also said it in the clubhouse yeah. to a reporter uh, that, no, they did not use anything after 2017. And that sort of ties back to Boone because that was one of the first questions that was asked to Boone. Are you convinced that the Astros were not doing anything in 2019 postseason? And he said, no, that's one of the great unknowns. And I think it's going to be one of the great unknowns going forward. And that's what sort of all the players are saying. Araldis Chapman was asked about Car- uh, uh, Altuve's home run. He said, well, you're going to have to ask Altuve. Only Altuve knows sort of thing. And I get it. I get all these questions. Tanaka came in. He said, I feel cheated out of 2017. And, and Judge obviously pulled down his Instagram post when he cr- congratulated Altuve in winning the 2017 MVP. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all – I totally understand, like, these questions are asked and these players are going to answer these questions. It's the first time a lot of these guys are, you know, face-to-face with the media. And if they use this as motivation this season to absolutely kick the shit out of the Astros, more power to them. they gotta, they got to wait for a long time for that to happen in the Bronx. But, yeah, it, it'll happen a little earlier. No, but you can use that as a chip on your shoulder the entire season 
take it into the season. Like, here's our goal. Our goal is to get the best record in the American League so we can play at home in the postseason. And hopefully the Astros do come to the Bronx in the postseason. And we can absolutely demolish them because that is the sweetest revenge. Yeah. That is the sweetest revenge. It's not the Astros vacating titles playoffs, or any of that stuff. Vacating yeah. titles or having players suspended. The sweetest revenge is the Astros thinking they're still hot shit and then coming to the Bronx not being able to wear buzzers and not having trash can bangs and not cheating and getting absolutely destroyed. That is the only way you're going to completely have revenge in my mind. Best quote best quote from the players of the of the week was Gary Sanchez uh, talking about oh, so Altuve's awesome. Game six home run. And he says, I can tell you this. If I hit a home run to send my team to the World Series, they can rip off my pants. They can rip off anything. That's beautiful. It was so funny. That is beautiful. And it was and obviously said through a translator. So I feel like it's even, it's even better. Like the translator looks at him like, you, you really want to say, okay, here we go. Yeah. Did I think I was going to be thinking about Gary Sanchez with his pants off? No, but here we are. That's great. It's, it's, a, it's a perfect line because basically – it doesn't matter. None of that matters in the moment when you have the, you know, elation of hitting that home run and moving your team forward. None of that matters. No one's thinking that. No one's thinking about their wife getting mad at them for taking their shirt off. No. It's and all, if she really did, well, then you could be like, really? You, you're actually mad about yeah, that? Yeah, like, re- like <laughs> you, we should really evaluate. Like, pick your battles. Pick your yeah, battles. Yeah. And... Uh, other players who are no longer on the team, Sabathia has obviously talked about it on his podcast. David Robertson said, I'm never going to get 2017. We're never going to get 2017 back. We're never going to get that group of guys back with a chance to win a World Series. And that's, I think, really the. He was so good. Of it. He was so good that year, too. Yeah, and he pitched his ass yeah. off in the postseason. That's what I mean. He did the whatever postseason. the team needed. So he's sitting there saying, We had something special, and it could have potentially been taken away from us because another team wasn't on the up and up and Jim Crane's sitting there saying we don't believe it affected the game on the field which is just complete horseshit because if it didn't give you an advantage even a point one percent advantage even if it gave you a point one percent advantage that's an advantage what else, what are you doing it for if it doesn't give you an advantage so it's just a complete utter lie and slap in the face a spit in the face to everyone for him to sit there and say that but I have a hard time saying the Yankees lost the 2017 ALCS because the Astros were cheating. It's, it's really hard not to say it because of how tight it was. And then it came down to the to game did they seven. Cheat? Did the pitchers cheat? Did the Houston? Until we find out, if we find out the Houston Astros pitchers were cheating, then yeah. But the Yankees offense didn't score in Houston. Yeah, I what does that have to do with the trash can banking? They scored three runs in 36 innings in Houston in that series. There's just a lot of different three scenarios. Three runs in four games. I know there's a lot of different scenarios. They lost the first two games by one run. So maybe if the Astros don't have the trash can bangs or whatever they were doing in the 2017 postseason, maybe they don't win one of those first two games. But the Yankees hit 159 in Houston in that playoffs. Yeah. So it's still you got to look yourself in the mirror and say, what, what didn't we do? Because the Astros didn't hit really, either. They were, yeah, you know what? They, they were probably they were probably putting up like a white panel in the in the exact area that they needed to be, so that you could blend the ball in. They were probably doing something shady. That's the only thing I can. <laughs> well, think I feel of. like that gets called out super quick. Yeah, but I mean, who's seen that? It's like going up and down. You know, it's like a quick white, like a green screen. That I just expected. I just expect to to find out at some point that yes, they were doing shady something shady on that side too. I, 
That's my expectation. Well, Trevor Bauer thinks they were using substances to increase spin rate. Yes, that's, that's, that was the, the whole... That was what I was trying to tell you about that article and, and where that kind of stemmed from and like how this started getting bleeding into baseball because it's very interesting when you see when that article was printed in uh, what late 2017 and the amount of blisters and like different topical agents and different things that were happening. It's, it's just, it's very interesting. And Bauer, Bauer knows, man. Did you see his article on the Players' Tribune? Did you read it? Yeah, I've seen. I've been all over Trevor Bauer lately. <clears throat> so he he wrote an article for the Players Tribune talking. He, he, I think it was titled "I Wish I Was Wrong," and he goes back and talks about how when he openly accused the Astros pitchers of using substances to increase spin rate, he says he did that because he felt more comfortable just sort of broadly <laughs> attacking that then attacking what he actually knew it was going on and what players around the league knew it was going on and which is the sign stealing. Right. Yeah. And I understand that. I think he's trying to do it in a way that's not so whistleblowy. <laughs> so he's not naming names essentially, but well, he's exposing... naming a completely different component of the team because one thing he's saying is the, uh, the pitchers are cheating. He's not saying anything about the offense and he's apparently a, that was really his big problem. And he says it was going on behind closed doors. Like guys were talking about it behind, behind closed doors. Like, Hey, what the hell are the Astros doing? Yeah, well, no kidding. The spin rate, when you have guys coming over from uh, the Not Pirates. talking about the spin rate, talking about the, the offense, uh, that uh, article, the offense. he yeah, said yeah. it was discussed behind closed doors that we all knew something was going well, yes, on. Yes, yes, yes. I understand that. The, um, but for his, from his angle, he's a pitcher. Like it's directly affecting his payday the things that he's doing are are supposed to be the same level playing field as everybody else. And when you have other guys doing other things, I, I, I fully believe Trevor Bauer to me has extreme credibility right now because he, and, and it's, and it's not a good thing to like compare him to Conseco in that way, but Conseco had the element of not giving a, not giving a rat's ass, like just talking. And I think Bauer has that same, um, that same mentality or that same approach. He just doesn't care. It's very clear that he doesn't care about any repercussions in what he talks about when he's talking about the league or anybody else. I mean, he's calling Manfred out by name and saying how dumb he is. So there's, there, you, you can tell that he's being very true to the way he be- thinks because he's a little crazy and I love it. Oh uh, yeah. I love no, it. He's a lot crazy. Well, he even admits like I rub people the wrong way. Well, I mean, you'd and be, that might that would be that, you'd be blind not to know that he knows that he's not stupid. Well, that that's um, possibly one of the reasons he was traded out of Cleveland. Well, yeah, he knows that too. <laughs> he knows. Okay, but he I, knows but, where but he but is. Then, he, but then he, he knows his place. He knows his stance in the world. He knows that he rubs people the wrong way because he's a little bit odd and a little bit different, a little bit unique, and he and he d- does things that most people shy away from. And what's been the norm? A lot of people. Don't say their opinion. They stand back. They, they, you know, let the uh, Major League Baseball narrative take over, and they just kind of walk the company line. And Bauer's not that guy, and he's never been that guy. So it's refreshing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The the post the he just eviscerated Manfred on the postseason proposal. So just a couple more takeaways from Boone's press conference. He talked that he saw Domingo Herman in the Dominican Republic who's working out, but he's not going to be at spring training, obviously. Um, he's, Domingo Herman posted on his Instagram and he was working out in the hug season t-shirt. Yeah, I'm like, come on, man. You, you couldn't have done that. 
Couldn't have done that last year. I'm like, come on. I know. Like, I know. Um, Boone said, take, take, this, I take found, my shirt off. I found this interesting about Stanton. He said he's going to, not sure how much time he's going to play in the outfield, and he's going to get a fair amount of time at DH. Why is he already just relegated to the fact that Stanton's just a DH? I don't understand that. He's not. He's talking about he's going to get a fair amount. I mean, a, when I when I see the words fair amount, that doesn't mean an, an, an absurd amount of, of time at the DH. I think it's it's rel- it's known that he's going to be in the DH spot a lot. Yeah, I just what is wrong with Stanton and his body if that he just he can't play the outfield every day. He did it in in the National League, but he gets to the American League and it's like nope, nope, he's he's too fragile to play the outfield even half the time. I I just don't understand it. Well, I mean, it's just it's just a, I think when you're a guy that is you know, I don't want to say he's breaking down, but he's been breaking down uh, in, yeah. in certain areas. And so many of these these injuries have been relatively mysterious. Like, we don't know what happened uh, on certain Last places. Last year was a debacle. It was like an elbow. It was a, a bicep. It knee. was a shoulder. It was a knee. It's like, oh, he took a pitch off the shin, but oh, his bicep is torn. Like, what, do, what do those two so, things have to do? But when you have a guy that, that has the capabilities of a, of a, a Giancarlo Stanton at the plate, and you understand that he's getting older. He's a big dude. Like it's not he, he could break down a little bit more easily than than other guys. I think, and in that because of that, you're gonna kind of you know make sure that he has the time at designated hitter, which takes away you know half of the half of the grind on the body. I, I, it's 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 the most obvious thing in the world to me. Well, then that that indicates to me early indication that we're going to see a lot of Gardner and Talkman starting in the outfield on the same day, which I did not think was going to happen. Yeah. I mean, I, when you look at Gardner as being another older guy as well, there's going to be a lot of what I'm surprised, honestly, is that there's not another outfielder that's in the mix so far. I mean, I know we have some, some minor league guys Frazier. Uh, and we got Tyler Wade. I mean, is he really though? Is he a considered guy? That's how's he, how's he not in the mix right now? Because he can't play the outfield. If he's not in the because mix. he can't play the outfield. That's okay, the problem. But, he can't play. Okay, but he he's in the mix right now. He's the f- uh, fifth on the depth. Chart he's so easily forgotten about. He's, I know, but but he's fifth. But might as well be ninth because if you have a guy that could play defense, he's a better ahead of him. That's why Maben got the opportunity. That's why they went out and found people that could play defense. It doesn't matter if your fifth outfielder can hit the lights out. I mean, it's almost a waste because that guy's not going to be hitting all the time. What you need for him to do is be able to field the ball and then put together good at-bats when he's there. He's not supposed to be the guy that's going to light it up offensively. That's not the, that's not the, uh, you know, the designated role of a fifth outfielder. He's going to get another chance to play the outfield. He's not as bad as he was last year. No one is bad as as is as bad as Clint Frazier was in the outfield last year. You wouldn't get to the point he's at in baseball if you were that bad in the outfield. Yeah, unless he is. <laughs> you can you can get away with it, I think, a lot in in lower levels. No, come on, he he couldn't <laughs> he couldn't catch the he could not catch the ball. Yes, I mean it was it was. A, that game was a microcosm and you look under a microscope in that one game and yes it was a disaster of a game you can almost like to me i'm not even looking at that game like once mentally he was jacked up so there's there's a few different things here like mentally he's got to get get beyond this this culmination of a of of the bad day throw that out and look at the other 
parts, the other games of what he was. It's almost like I'm throwing out London. <laughs> I'm throwing out that game yeah. for Clint Frazier as well. You have to. Because you look at the other parts of it, he still takes bad routes to the ball. He still misses the ball sometimes. He misses cutoffs. He's got a strong arm, but is it accurate? There's a lot of other things that go into the fact that he can't play defense besides that game. I know that's the one everybody wants to talk about. It's like Greg Bird's home run. Throw them away. Look at everything else. <laughs> it's like it's like a swimmer gets to the Olympics, jumps in the pool, and just sinks to the bottom. <laughs> no, you got you got to the Olympics. You can obviously swim. Yeah. Clint Frazier got to the major leagues. He can obviously catch the ball. So it's then it's a matter of, is he going to be even an average outfielder? And, and we don't know. So he also talked about uh, Boone did about Paxton said early returns are good and that Montgomery is the front runner to replace him in the rotation. And this brings up an interesting article that the New York Daily News posted this week. They cited a University of Pennsylvania spinal surgeon expert. His name was Dr. Michael Murray. He said there's a 90 percent chance that with good rehab, Paxton will return to full strength by the end of the 2020 season. And he said he would recommend to his, his patients who would have similar surgery, don't do anything strenuous for the first few months. So I'm just kind of confused. I know everybody's body is different, and he did not operate on Paxton, so he does not have a say on Paxton. But I just find it interesting that he's saying, no, 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 nothing for the first few months. And the Yankees are saying, well, he's going to be back pitching in the major leagues in a few months. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, they're, very different. they're very different outcomes as far as what happens after the surgery. The, I mean, look, this guy understands what the, um, the, what's happening on a, on a general surface level, I think, with Paxton. But he doesn't, he's not in there looking at the MRIs. He's not looking at the x-rays. He's not no. in there looking at all the exact details of what's happening. So it, it's kind of hard to, to take his opinion on this very specific scenario with uh, a lot of, uh, you know, with a lot of, you know, reasoning behind it and, and why he's making this determination. I mean, like there's no context. There's there, what he's looking at is, is the type of injury, right. And the type of what he would recommend for his patients that are not major league baseball pitchers or not James Paxton in this particular uh, scenario. So <clears throat> I don't really listen to the guy. I think more the daily news is like, Oh, this guy says he's going to be out for the year. Let's put this up, publish it so that if there's any delay at all in James Paxton, we had it. We had the story. If June 1st, that's the over-under date that Paxton returns, what are you taking? Oh, man. Um, I'll, I mean, if it's June 1st, I will say the over. Mm, yeah. Because there's, there's always going to be a delay, right? Four months is, is June. He had the surgery February 5th. Uh, so February to March to April to May to June, that's four months. My, they said three to four months. If I'm guessing, I would say middle of June, early, like, Middle of June up does to the he make a start? Break. Does he make a start before the All-Star break? Yeah, I think so. But it's probably going to be right in that couple weeks before the All-Star break. If, if, he's, if he's back before the All-Star break, I would not expect him to have more than three starts. Well, what about Boris saying first third of the season? First third of the season is before June 1st. It's the first two months of the season. Yeah, if you believe Scott Boris in anything he says, uh, <laughs> I, got a, I got a whole... Bag yeah, to sell you. To sell I got a whole bag yeah. to sell you of uh, of excuses that the Houston Astros are using right now. So the, <laughs> the the final guy that I I think is interesting to talk about comments on the Astros is Garrett Cole. I don't. He said I don't think I have much to apologize for. We talked about this a few weeks ago. Is Garrett Cole going to address it? And I sort of talked myself through the process, and I was like, oh yeah, he wasn't on the 2017 team, so he has no 
confirmed ties to the cheating Astros. He said he had no idea of anything going on. If anything was going on past 2017, he said, I had no idea it was going on, which I don't believe. But he said, I don't think I have much to apologize for. Mm, do you have a problem with anything he said? No, it's pretty much what I expected. He's just skirting the issue and moving on because that's he's already got the the, the, the crowd on his side. So yeah, why try to rock the boat. why to give them why give them any fuel whatsoever? I mean, maybe some will say he's not saying anything about it, and that's fuel. But that's better fuel than like opening up a little bit of a Pandora's box. Do you think the Astros were cheating in 2018 and 2019? Yes. Do you think then Garrett Cole knew about it? Yes. I agree. And I think, and I think the one person, I mean, probably not the one person because he's paid and he really doesn't at the end of the day, does he really care? But these guys are all like, yo, they're all so worried about Trevor Bauer right now. <laughs> they're all like, dude, Trevor, please just shut, shut the, stop. They are, they know that he's such a loose cannon and they're all worried. They're all worried, scared to death. But he doesn't actually have any bullshit proof. He doesn't have any proof. I bet he does. He can. He's thrown accusations before, and everyone just did not just poo pooed him yeah. when he said the Astros are doing the, the spin rate substances, and the, and they were all shot down. Yeah. So if he says, "Oh, the Astros were cheating in 2018, 2019," every fan's gonna be like, "Oh my God, look, duh!" Yeah. And all the players are gonna be like, "No, the commissioner didn't find anything past 2017." Yeah. Until Trevor Bauer comes out with the evidence that he has, that he that he does have behind the scenes. See, I don't think he's gonna actually. You don't blow think Trevor Bauer's bugging himself talking to people? I do. I think Trevor Bauer has... Well, no one's talking... If anyone's smart, they're not talking to Trevor Bauer. I, I think Trevor Bauer is bugging uh, training rooms. He's he's bugging the uh, visitors' dug, uh, clubhouse when the Astros are coming into town when he, was with the, when he was with the Indians. I bet Trevor Bauer has a whole underground scheme to expose these. And he's just letting them dig and dig and dig and deny. And then he's going to come out and be like, boop, mic drop, here it is. And just... Everybody's going to torch it. He's just going to light the world on fire and walk out. I recommend that you read his article, not you, but people, because it was actually good. And he talked about a few other things. Uh, he said, I have used substances to get better spin rate, like not in a game, but just in practice and stuff. And he's like, yeah, this is amazing. If, if you could use this, like, yeah, here's another 500 RPMs on my fastball. And all of a sudden I'm Cy Young. And he also said, I have no problem with the sign stealing the, like the, art of sign stealing in game he says he has no problem with and he says that's why we change signs is to combat sign stealing yeah but it's impossible to combat it obviously when you're using high-tech cameras to relay stuff in real time do you combat yeah, it or I'll, do you also, combat it oh yeah you combat it not combat it well combat combat you fight so it's just a different are they not the same word pretty sure it's the same word i'm just wondering how you use the uh emphasis on the syllable the emphasis. <laughs> All right, guys, I'm going to take a minute to tell you guys about our sponsor, Bet Online. You've heard us talking about them over the past couple of weeks. They're one of our new sponsors for this season, and we are very excited about it. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all things sports. March Madness, the Masters, and Major League Opening Day are right around the corner. Bet Online has you covered for all your latest news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. The best part, when you sign up, you receive 50% welcome bonus. The Wilder Fury rematch goes down this Saturday night, and we can't think of a better way to wager on the fight than doing it with actual free money. 
Head over to betonline.ag and use our promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's betonline.ag. You got to have the .ag. And BLUEWIRE is the promo code. That's all one word. We signed up. It's super easy. And if you're already into betting, which we know a lot of you guys out there are, this is a fantastic way to support our podcast. Again, that's promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word. When you sign up at betonline.ag, BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Let's talk about Pakoda win-loss projections, one of Scott's favorite Yes, topics. let's go. Let's, I can't wait. If you're out there and you don't know what Pakoda is, <clears throat> it stands for Player Empirical Comparison and Optimization Test Algorithm. Mm, I said that with a straight face. Yeah, yeah. It's nerd speak for projections. So they project player stats, but they also project team win-loss totals. And basically what it does is it simulates thousands of different outcomes for the season. And the ones that most commonly occur, it says, okay, this is probably going to happen. So here's our results. And their results came back with the Yankees winning 99 games and winning the AL East by 12 games over Tampa. Do you think couple parts? Ninety nine wins. Are you taking the over under on that? And also, will the Yankees win the division by as healthy a margin as twelve games? I'm taking the over, and I am. I'm definitely not thinking they're going to win by twelve games because I think Tampa's good. I'm surprised that they have that these projections have Tampa where they are because Tampa, man, they have not only what, what they have on their major league level and what they showed last year with their pitching. But theoretically, they're going to be they're going to be healthier pitching wise. Um, and when you see their top three, it's freaking nasty. Mm. You add Glass now, and you um, you you look at Snell and uh, and Charlie Morton. Morton. You know, with or without substances, I don't know. But with substances, I mean, like holy cow, they could be the they could be add add how many more RPMs to that top three? That's pretty damn good. But they're they're young guys that are not even in the major leagues yet are filthy. They have some really good top talent that's almost ready to go, if not ready to go right now. So I'm a, that's the team, honestly, when I, when I circle a team that, that I'm a little worried about, like in the American League, it's Tampa. Tampa had, won 96 games last year, and they, they maxed out their potential. Kevin Cash is a good manager. No, he's a, he's a great manager. And they are so creative in the way that they win games. Yeah. They have to be. But I feel like 96 wins was like really maxing out their potential last year. Well, I mean, I, maybe. I don't, I don't really think so. Because, Yankees won 103. But you, if you look at what they did on the pitching side, too, they didn't have great years from their, from their big guys. Glasnow, I mean, has been injured. That's his, that's his M.O. He's been injured a lot of his career. When he's healthy, when he was healthy at the beginning of the season last year, if you remember, like, he was Cy Young for the first month. Like the guy was nasty, and then so you're he went saying down. the Rays are going to win more than their projected win total because they're going to be healthier. Similar reason to why you're taking over on the 99 wins for the Yankees because they're going to be healthier than last year, and they won 103 games last year. Yeah, maybe they they overachieved to win 103 games, but you can't be as injured as the Yankees were last year, and they won 103. Knock so. on wood, please. They so they can. I would also take the over. Yeah. On 99, I think 100 to 105 is where the Yankees are going to finish. 12 games is a lot, though. That means it's a lot the, of games. 
That's a lot. But if the Yankees really are having a great season and they win 103 games again, I mean, the, the Rays take a slight step back, still make the playoffs, but win 91 games. I think they're better yeah. than a 91. If you look at what their roster was last year, uh, and then you you look at what's happened in the American League East as well, <clears throat> there's winnable games there. There's a lot of winnable games in the American League. I, I haven't looked at the um, you know how the, their schedule stacks up but as far as like when they play certain people, but I got to believe it's relatively similar to what the Yankees is. They... They're just a good team, man. And if they could stay healthy, if they have top three pitchers could stay healthy and they could get, keep those guys rolling out there, um, they're gonna be a they're gonna be a pain in the ass. They really are. They are going to. Well, be they're a always going to the be ass. a pain in the ass just from the way they play games. And yeah, but now they have a lot of very good top talent that's super young, and and they're and they're rising through the ranks. And you know that they're looking at all this stuff too as the guys that, again, nobody really chalks up. We won ninety six games. Is anybody talking about us? No, no one's talking about the Tampa Bay Rays. But they're so the, you think they're going to blow out 87 This wins. may be the year that I stop calling them the Devil Rays, honestly. You're, they're going to blow out 87 wins. Oh, yeah, I think so. The projections also have the Twins winning their division again by a pretty healthy margin mm-hmm. over the Indians. The Astros winning their division, no surprise there. They're still a freakishly talented team over the Angels. The Mets actually winning a close division in the NL East. The Reds surprisingly win the NL Central, and the Dodgers being the best team in baseball, winning 102 games, just blowing everyone out. The, the Padres finishing under 500, so it's like not even a competition out there. Yeah, I mean that's a bad division. <laughs> there, I mean the, you you could argue that the Diamondbacks got got better, but you know who knows? I mean if Madison Bumgarner can can have a a resurgence. The Dodgers here. are gonna. The Dodgers are gonna have their division locked up by July. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Seriously. Like, I'd say after the All Star break, pretty damn close to it. They're gonna be. They're gonna be healthy. Healthy lead ahead. I mean, they have so. They are so deep in a really bad division. Um, yeah. No. I mean, the Astros. That I, I think the AL West could be interesting. But I, I say that every year, and and you see some of these teams that are. are Theoretically, going to take that next step. I mean, I think the Rangers. Oakland two years ago won ninety-seven games. Yeah, I I don't think they've gotten that much better though. I think that the Rangers have gotten a little bit better. I think that the Angels are definitely better. You know, we'll see if they can pitch. But it comes down to them being able to pitch. And if they're and then they still can't. They added Rendon, but they still don't have pitching. I know. It de- so it depends on how that how that actually happens and how these guys. Uh, so their team is Mike Trout, best player in baseball. Rendon, a top. 20 player in baseball wherever he falls and then Shohei Otani who's a, a who knows he's a gimmick like yeah he could be really good or he could he's a good gimmick when he's on the field we just don't know when exactly you know how long that's going to happen and yet we haven't so seen you saw what the Yankees did with, with standing injuries last year they were so deep the Angels as deep as the Yankees are the Angel, the Angels are shallow yeah they're just they've got the best player in baseball and that's it right um, and, and so the Rangers, I'm looking at the Rangers is taking a much, I, I, they have them at 73 wins. I could see them. Yeah, but they, they had Lance Lynn and, um, uh, minor, Mike minor, minor finish getting Cy Young votes last year. Is that going to happen again? It doesn't need to happen, but they, what, what it says is to that take a step forward. It's going to need to, they're going to need to repeat. They need to look at other, what, what I see is that, uh, those guys like being very, very good. And whether they, you know, mirror what they did, what they did last year, or just kind of build on that and have put together a very good year, a lot of things like offensively too. If you start adding Greg Bird, you know, 
maybe they just get un, un, unrealistic, unbelievable production from first base from a guy that's got a huge chip on his shoulder. and a Over under <laughs> Major League Baseball games that Greg Bird plays this year, 0. .5. What are you taking in the major league in the major leagues in the major leagues? Yeah. Un- 0.5. So does he play a game? Um, actually I'll say yes. Okay. Cause it's going to be spiteful. <laughs> Although I don't well, believe, he'll, he'll I don't believe it. He'll get called up. He'll play like 15 games, hit like six home runs. Every Yankee fan is going to lose their mind. And then he's going to have a foot injury and be lost to the abyss once again. Yeah. I mean, it, he's a guy that is, um, hanging on by, a thread, so we'll see. I mean, do you do you wish good things for him? Do you want him to do well? I don't necessarily wish good <clears throat> things, but I don't wish ill will on him. Sure. Okay. Yeah. I'm in the same boat. I don't want to see it, <laughs> if I'm being very honest. I don't want to see it. I'm not going to root against it, but I, don't, I certainly don't want to. Given the choice, I would, I would want to see it, just for the hilarity I, of I don't. podcast content. Oh, God, no. Because then, then you're looking at, you know, the lefty first baseman that we've always needed. And but wanted. it's not, it's not, but in that scenario, it's just horrific luck because if, from the Yankees perspective, because it's not like they didn't give him ample opportunity. They gave him five years of opportunity and he just kept getting injured. So what is a team to do? You have to move on. I don't blame the Yankees. I will not blame the. Oh, no, no, no. Bird, I don't blame the Yankees one bit. It's not that if Greg Bird turns into a competent major league player. I'm not going to blame the Yankees. I'm, lo- I'm just going to say, well, that's a really shitty bad luck situation. I'm looking at their depth chart based on position. He didn't even sign him. It's a minor league contract. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's an a, invitation. It's to a camp training. invite, baby. It's a tryout is what it is. Um, but I'm looking at their... Going to the treeouts? I'm looking at the, uh, the, the depth chart here. I mean, he's got to outplay <laughs> Logan Forsyth. That's I, it? You know, sprinkle some other guys in there. That Guzman kid uh, is there, but is he really a? I mean, I guess he could be projecting as their their long term okay, vision if, there. What if the Rangers? He's got to beat. He's got to beat Guzman, who's a twenty five year old. What if the Rangers fall for the classic Greg Bird spring training MVP run? Oh, they will. He, they will. He hits four hundred and has six home runs in spring training. Yes, he will be the opening day first baseman. Yep. Yeah. So, I, so I mean, I could see that happening, but I don't. I don't believe that Greg Bird can even hit in spring training anymore. I think that's that's beyond. That's gone. That's out the you window. You underestimate Greg Bird. Let's let's move on to the. I don't know what adjective to use, but the proposal, the utterly ridiculous, moronic, I think trolling proposal of the revised Major League Baseball postseason that was announced a couple of days ago. After the next CBA, so starting in 2020, to 2022, this would be the new playoff format. Each league has seven teams instead of five. <laughs> the first round is called the wild card round, so the current one-game wild card game is going away. Instead, it's going to be six teams playing three-game series. So three series, three three-game series going on all at the same time. The team with the best record hosts all three of those games, and they get to pick in order of record, which teams they want to play. The top seed in each league gets a bye. And then teams, as the playoffs go on, teams with the better record get to pick their opponent, which only comes into factor in the first two rounds because after that, you're just left with whatever opponent is left. My, oh my, is this quite a proposal. There's parts of it I don't hate. It is dumb. 
It is absolutely dumb, and I do think there's part of it where they're saying, hey, look at this shiny ball over here. Don't pay attention to the shitstorm that is the Houston Astros, the Boston Red Sox, and the cheating scandal. This was a bad way. To, this was a dumb I, way to do it, though, because it didn't take anything off. It just added. It just layered onto it, the incompetence. It just did. It just added on. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah it was really. Parts that, of that it, just, it just goes hate. to the point that how out of touch Major League Baseball is in general. It's an out of touch proposal, and it is ridiculous because I can list so many more important issues that Major League Baseball should fix before they touch the playoffs. In no specific order, the cheating epidemic, not just the, the sign stealing, but just the overall cheating epidemic in Major League Baseball, the length of games and the pace of play, the length of the season, because 162 games is just too long, minor league wages, arbitration process and system that is just completely broken, and with the exception of this year, the free agency being kind of broken, the overall replay process, terrible umpiring. Which go hand in hand. And inconsistent construction of the baseball, which caused the spike in home runs last year that we have never seen before. Those are all bigger issues than the Major League Baseball postseason, which I think is a really good product. It's confined to a month. It doesn't take too long. You get the wild card game, which people don't like it. But guess what? You didn't win your division, so you don't get to play a full series. You just have to do a do or die game. I actually am on board with that. And then the games happen one after another. Yeah, they're probably too long, but it's fine. It's postseason. And we get it done at the end of October. Boom. Done. Postseason is good. The season's too long. Postseason is good. I don't know what MLB is doing with this thing. I mean, all they had to do was take leave out the, that the team with the best record would pick their opponents. If they left that out, that one, that one element of this proposal, I don't think you'd, you'd see a ton of backlash on it. You, you probably wouldn't. Well, it's, that is it's, just it's a not, TV gimmick. I know, but that's the thing. It's a gimmick. When you well, add the gimmick, we're mad. When you add the gimmick, you're adding something that's just utterly ridiculous, and, and you're making it now like a, a sideshow and not actually what should happen based on you know the 162 game season that they they just played, and and now they are playing the opponents that they're supposed to play because of what they did in the regular season. Let's just throw that out and give the top player teams to the, the control to do whatever the hell they want. Right. So what's the point of winning your division now? You actually have no incentive to win your division now. Yeah. It's, it's, really, it's really just a, one of those things that's dumb. But under this format, in order to make it fair, they would need to get rid of all divisions and every team in the league would have to play each other an equal amount of time. Otherwise, it's unfair. Because right now with divisions, you say, well, why is it fair that the Yankees and Red Sox have to play 19 times, but the Yankees and the Mariners only play X amount of, you know, seven times a year? It's because the Yankees and Red Sox are competing for the same thing, their division title. The Yankees and Mariners are not competing for the same thing because the Yankees are not competing for the NL West. But under this new proposal, you're just, you're just competing for a top seven spot. It doesn't matter. So you're not all competing for the same thing. So you should play each other the equal amount of times. And they would never be able to do that with the current construction of Major League Baseball because of travel. Here's the problem. So this just doesn't make sense on so many levels. Here's another issue that I have with what they're trying to do. And like I see I know what they're they're aiming for when they're adding more teams to the playoffs. They want yeah. more close races at the end of the season, and they want more fan bases that are potentially in the playoffs come uh, end of September. You know, and and the the playoffs are are starting. That's the in part a few of it weeks. I don't hate. That's the only part of it I don't. Here's hate. the problem with this: the theory is okay, we get more fan bases in. I get that, but you also now are adding more teams that are mediocre to this yep. mix. You're adding teams that are worse well, to a mix. Last year, of, last year the Red Sox, the Indians, 
the Red Sox and the Indians would have also made the playoffs. Right. Those are, I mean, those are better than mediocre teams. You, I mean, the Red Sox were pretty mediocre last year. You add the, you add the, the, take those names out of it though. Like the, and the Indians had a, a surge. They, they, they probably should have been better, but you have the, you definitely have the ability or the, uh, the possibility of adding some of these really, really bad teams, especially in the national league. I'm, I'm thinking more the national league of like some of these guys that are under 500 competing for, for the seventh spot, like well, well under 500. That, competing it would for the be rare spot. when that happened, but you're going to get like a lot of 84 win teams that would get like the seventh spot. And in baseball, it's not that hard for an 84-win team to get to hot. Take two out of three from a 97-win team. It, it's not that hard. It takes away the, the importance of the Ameri- of the regular season. Thus, what's the yes. point in playing that many games? Thus, yes. what's the point in these guys grinding out if you're really just going to practically make everybody towards the end of the year? If you're going to uh, do a round-robin tournament at the end of the year, don't play 162 games. Play 100 games. And even that's probably too many. You're, what you're going to start getting? Because you're just doing a round-robin tournament. So what is the point of winning 98 regular season games if I'm just in a three-game round-robin tournament against an 84-win team? There's no point. It takes Just a, play it, 100 games. It takes away from why the baseball team is, um, is set up and is organized and is assembled in the way that it is. The, w- yeah. the reason they have five starting pitchers and you know, X amount of uh, bullpen arms is because it's a long season because these are long series in the playoffs. And you need those guys to do this because it's not a natural motion to throw a ball hundred miles an hour to another guy with a bat. And when you have that scenario in a very short series, well, now you're only making these teams top heavy. You're not, you're not looking at a team's depth. You're not looking at what the Yankees were last year when they had, when they were just, you know, obliterated by injury and they got to a point where they were so deep and that was a payoff. That was a good thing for them. Now you're just making everything top heavy because these short series are there. And if you have a top heavy team, that's 84 wins that could very well happen. You could have one or two badass pitchers that could come in there and step up and, and, and shut down a team that won hundred games and uh and move on. You could, you could see that scenario playing even, out. You don't even need it to have a badass pitcher. You can get lucky. Teams, good teams lose series to inferior opponents constantly. Yes. Constantly. So it's not hard to, to fathom the Angels winning 83 games, going into a series against the Yankees, let's say, who won 97 games, and taking two out of three because Mike Trout hits 500 in the series. Right? Yeah, or the, just like, or the Diamondbacks winning... This is like scenario from hell. Diamondbacks winning like 75 games, going into the playoffs, and all of a sudden Madison Bumgarner becomes Madison Bumgarner because you know why? Because they're resting him. Because that's what this is going to happen also. We're, we're looking at the, um, what do they call it? Injury, what do they call a uh, player in the NBA? They, uh, uh, there's a term for uh, it. Yeah. They, anyway, they're, they're load, manage, load, load management. management. So that's what Kawhi, everybody's on Kawhi and, and, uh, and LeBron for sometimes like taking nights off so that they can, sit back and like save that energy for, for later in the, that's what you're going to start seeing in baseball. You're going to start well, seeing, you are starting to see, you're starting to see it. You're starting to see with pitchers because with, because of the amount of contracts too. I mean, like that's an element too, but you're going to start you seeing worse season, baseball in the season, season. but they're not short in the season. But no, I know they're not, but they're not doing that. I would not hate this setup. If you shorten the season significantly, because then, okay, it makes sense. You're de-emphasizing the regular season and you're putting out a TV product like a, a tournament, basically. But there's no point of having a tournament 
at the end of the season after you just played 162 games to weed out all the shitty teams. And we haven't even touched on the fact that if you do get the number one seed, you have a week off. Which is not good for a baseball team. It's already five days off, right? Because you have Sunday is usually the last day is the last day of the regular season. And if you're not playing in that wild card game, your series doesn't start until Thursday or Friday. Last year, the Yankees played on Friday night against the Twins. So they didn't play Monday through Thursday. Yeah, I mean, and, and I, I know you could go both ways. And, and pe- some people think it's a positive thing to have some time off. Some people don't. Like, it depends, I think, in your scenario, too. Like, what kind of a team you are. Theoretically, if you're one of those teams fighting for it, and you get hot, like you don't want to, you don't want to sit, but you probably won't because you're fighting to get in anyway. So um, the rest is good for certain teams. It just depends. The pro, the, the thing is though, is what it, what it's doing is it's changing how they play. When you're playing 162 games in a regular season, you're getting used to playing a certain way, and that's every day. You're preparing your body to play every day, and that's what baseball has done forever. Like you're just playing a lot more than any other sport now. We're going to change that. Let's just take some more time off when it matters the most. It baffles me how out of touch Major League Baseball is sometimes. It's like they they try to turn the little knobs in little areas and they're doing it all wrong. They're doing it all wrong. And they're trying to, to get the, you know, like a little bit of a buzz. And there's no for, there's no looking down the line and like what they're doing to the game in general. I mean, Trevor Bauer had a really good example when he's talking about they lost a generation in the way that that uh, MBAM has protected everything and like held everything in so tight, all the all the clips, basically all of the media you could possibly ask for, they've held it tight and not given it. For the longest time, we couldn't even have the word Yankees on this podcast because they were flagging, po- when we first started podcasting, they were flagging podcasts that had the word Yankees or anything relating to the word Yankees and they were taking them down. That so we had to name it. I we, we couldn't even have those words in the description because they were getting flagged. So it, they were at, they were at that level where they were taking things down and just controlling every possible thing that they did lose like uh, Bauer was talking about. They lost, you know, some years in there and a generation of fans because they didn't have access to this stuff. And this is the digital age like we were talking about earlier. These kids are growing up with touch screens and immediate access to everything and anything. And baseball's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. And it's and it's hurt the game. Yeah, and the idea here is you're going to get more people interested because there's more fan bases involved. And it's a, it's a wrinkle, certainly. And it's more of a tournament style, more NCAA sort of tournament style. Okay, so you're going to get more eyeballs. It's, exactly. You're, you might get more eyeballs on that weird round where everyone picks their opponent. But that's not sustainable. Because the games, regular season games are going to still be broken. I think the regular season game right now is broken. There were so many boring games last year. All it is, it's a four-hour game of solo home runs. I'm sorry. That's not exciting. Well, the, the reason you're talking about, though, is because it's because of the game, the way the game has changed and progressed into this, you know, um, all-or-nothing mentality which is the home run or the strikeout and when you add a home run or a strikeout we've talked about this a number how do you fix that a number of times in the past in the sense that you almost can become numb to a home run because you've seen it so often that it's not chick stick the long ball as much anymore because in that day when that was happening one you had guys out of their minds on steroids which was fun looking back like they were superheroes and then you um but you're coming from an era where they were 
putting together hits and you had, you saw a different type of baseball. So it was a change. And I know we've, we've gone through that change back to this now where it's now all home runs and, and more strikeouts, but the strikeout is boring. The double in the gap is never boring. So the alternative of what's happening now is the, is, is the, the sleepy side. I said this last year and I got, I kind of got some shit for it, but the home run when you see it so often also becomes boring because yeah, the guy hit a home run and it's a run scored, but nothing happens. The, the game comes to a halt. Yeah. I mean, yes. I think So it's not action. Well, I think when yeah, you're trying to appeal to you're young... scoring runs and the ball's going 400 feet, like that's all great. But when it happens seven times a night, you become numb to it. To a degree. I think when you're looking at the younger, the younger highlight audience too, because a lot of these guys, like you look at the kids that are coming up through high school and into, um, you know, they're 20. They grew up with... With the highlights, like the highlights, Sports Center BK was a thing very early. Then it's progressed to, you know, Bleacher Report and House of Highlights and all these things. And now you're seeing the culmination of all of this where the Omar kid from House of Highlights is on, on Sports Center running their Instagram page. So the, you see all these highlights. And yeah, you can get the highlights with, if you, with, with home runs, especially if you add some cool, some cool like video effects to it. I've been doing a bunch of that stuff, like adding some, some glitch effects and like, but there's only so much you can do to like a big, if you get a guy hauling ass around first base and like diving into second with a fielder also picking up a ball and making a play, you have multiple things happening. You have more elements of a highlight reel than you do just one guy swinging a bat. It's just, there's, yeah. there's different elements of the game that I think are, are um, not put on the forefront that are so much fun when you're talking about these guys taking extra bases or doing these things or stealing the bases because you can't steal a base when you're hitting a home run either. Like there's a lot of the game that's taken out. And I think this the fast excitement part of it. Yeah, you don't get defensive plays if the ball doesn't go and play. Yeah. And you can only get so much. Baseball doesn't want people just watching highlights. They want people tuning into the broadcast so they can get higher TV ratings and everything. But the highlights get you there. They're, they're the, the highlights. Uh, but I don't think these highlights of another guy hitting another home run gets you there. No, I agree. That's what I'm saying. Like when you have the, the faster paced game, when you have the guys that are hitting more line drives, like you said, you have more defensive plays. You have more guys to showcase how, what they could do on the defensive side. Like we see some great defensive plays. I mean, tick that up by like a times times 10. If you, if you start, if the approach is a little bit different, if that launch angle is, is, is taken down, you know, a half a percentage or whatever, a fraction of a percentage. Yeah, if guys still want to try and launch. They're going to still try and launch, but there's other things you can do. I think with the baseball, but also with the strike zone that you can yeah. make it. So guys are going to have to swing more. If you expand, the, if you make the strike zone bigger, they're going to have to swing more. They're going to have to swing at better pitches earlier in the count to put the ball in play, because that is going to become a better way to score runs than trying to walk and hit a two run home run. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I love the game of baseball. I love the way that, all of the elements with the amount of players that you have on one team is mixed together to have this, this, this game on the field where there's a lot of individual guys playing to one culmination. And I, I want to, I want people and young, young people to see that game and I want them to see it in the best possible way. And I think when you're adding all these different elements um, of, of, you know, <laughs> taking away the, you know, putting on display worse baseball by adding more teams at the end, uh, adding, you know, the jacking up the ball so that the ball is only hit out of the park. You're, you're just, you're taking away elements from the game to me that are, that make it great. And it's unfortunate because the game by itself naked is amazing. Right. Yeah. But, it, but it's, it's sort of devolved into a product that I'm just not 
crazy about and i'm still a huge baseball fan and i'm a above really i'm a yankees fan so i want to see them win and i'm going to continue to watch it but like you said we we want to watch a good product and we i i you are trying you're starting to get kemp into baseball i hopefully will get my future children into baseball and i would rather it be the product more similar to that i grew up with than what has been the last few you know four or five years which is I, I actually do see more – I mean, I think we're seeing a lot more athletes play baseball and stay in baseball as well. And I think when you, when you start seeing – when you start seeing that, you're going to start seeing the athletes on display. You're going to see a lot more athleticism. You're going to start seeing, um, you know, balls that, you know, maybe they're not hit out of the – I think we're going to see – I do believe that there's a trend in baseball and, and it will come back around. And I think that when you look at some of these successful teams and how they've been able to, you know, have a, a higher importance on on-base percentage – because to me, that's like one of the best stats out there. Give me on-base percentage all day long. You give me a guys with high OBP, I will have a good team. Bottom line. Oh. Mm, Mr. Billy Bean over there. Yeah, I mean, it is. You, you, add, you add some things in there, you can have, and you add good pitching. It's more fun. The Billy Bean, you know, days of old where they're adding guys that can do, you know, certain things around. The, it was fun baseball to watch. I have a question for you. What player do you think was like the most exciting to watch hit for the Yankees last year? Um, for last year, I think it was, I don't know. Mine. Got Glaber probably people. I think the Glaber would be the hot answer. Mine was DJ LeMahieu. Oh yeah. I mean, I love it. me personally. I love LeMahieu. Yes. No, no, me, me too. But like it was just line drives. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was swinging at good pitches. It was contact. It was line drives. That, to me, I was most excited when he came around in the order. I mean, anybody who listens to this show knows, knows goddamn well that he was by far my favorite player. Like, this guy is just, like, the epitome of what I want. I think the, the, the answer to your question, though, if you ask people, would be Glaber. And maybe, maybe. Because, there's a, there, because there is an element of flashiness. There's an element of him, you know, being able to... Uh, he's got some, some personality in that sense. Like, LeMahieu... I think people love him for what he does because he's just all business, but he doesn't have that, that personality side that Glaber has. He's got no, Glaber he, he definitely, definitely appeals doesn't. to the younger. He's not audience. trying to, he, no. if anything, he's trying to subvert his, any personality he might have, but you add a little, a little bit of a personality to a guy that plays like LeMay, who does that's dynamic. That's electric stuff right there. Anything else on the postseason and the, the baseball? I mean, I just feel like there's there's been so many negative headlines, whether it's the negative reaction to the postseason proposal or this Mets thing where they're not going to allow minor leaguers to go into this fifty seven dollar fifty seven million dollar renovation clubhouse because they quote want to give minor leaguers a reminder of the status they're working to earn. Like that doesn't look good as a headline. The Red Sox naming an interim manager. Because After, they're scared to death. Because they're scared to death of him getting of the same guy getting named in a report later down the line. That's a the, major league that's baseball the exact team, reason. A major league baseball team reported to spring training and didn't have an, an official manager. He was named interim manager. 12 hours after spring training technically started, which I just find baffling. How, how is that happening? So the cheating scandal updates every, every day, something news coming out. Like the press conference that we already talked about was just an utter debacle. The athletic posted a new uh, thing about Beltron 
being, quote, the godfather of the whole operation, and no one wanted to challenge him in the clubhouse because he had 20 years of tenure, and he's so respected in Major League Baseball. So if Beltran says, no, we're going to do, do trash can banging, Alex Bregman or anyone can't go to him and be like, I don't think we should do that because it's Carlos Beltran. That came out, and by the way, there there probably is a very there there probably is an element of that. Like that, I do I don't dismiss that. I think that is a factor either. when you're in a clubhouse. But at the same time, these guys, if that if that actually happened, these guys it it, it tells more to who the leadership is on the on the team itself. Because Carlos Beltran just got there. These guys he just signed a free agent. These contract guys had a stunk. These guys he had wasn't even good. a clubhouse. They were established in the clubhouse. Like as far as like who had roles. What was going on? And, and if you're just going to let some guy walk in, no matter what his track record is, and, and to, to do something to that level, that's on YouTube, man. I mean, I understand a little bit of it, but that's there's no possible way you could use that as an excuse. Yeah, because like Altuve was established, well-established yes. in the Astros by 2017. Bregman, Bregman had been there. No, it, was, it wasn't that Bregman's rookie year. Was it his year? I thought he was there 16. I gotta look okay. it up. But Either still, way, he's a, he's a he's a pretty new, pretty fresh player. Um, let, let's he's a cocky comparison. little bitch. You don't think that kid could stand up and say something? Well, he pro- he wanted to cheat because so he wanted the, to okay. cheat. Let's use let's that's use my the point. existing. Okay, I want to use the existing Yankees clubhouse. Say they 2016 uh, when they, was his first year, but yeah, first okay. full year was 17. So, um, eh, I mean, Beltran is such such a great example of of someone who just was ring chasing at the end of their career came in. Okay. How about this in 2017 when the Yankees signed Matt holiday, like Matt holiday is not the reputation of Beltran, but wouldn't you say very, very respected guy in major league baseball? Oh, for sure. Do you think there were players in the 2017 club that would have challenged Matt holiday? If he said like, if, if Matt holiday was came in and said, we're going to start cheating. Do you think Aaron judge would have challenged Matt holiday? Yeah. I, I think it's a different, Yes, I, I do. And, and I think you could look around different areas. I don't think it would have been Aaron Judge. I think it would have been Brett. Well, right, because you had Brett Gardner. And you had CeCe, and you had guys that would, that would say something. Okay, I know, so it's not, it's, not a, it's not a fair comparison. But you, but you understand what I'm saying. Yes, like, I understand what you're saying. It's very difficult for a young player to challenge someone <clears throat> like Carlos Beltran. Let me ask you a question. What year did Brian McCann get there? Same year. Oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. That's a guy that has had experience playing with Beltran. Well, that's the article. Also, like if you're a Yankees fan, I, I read the article and I was like, oh, boy, I, I, I can just see where this is going, because the, the article in so many words said Beltron brought over the cheating from his previous team. It literally said that. I mean, look, nothing would surprise me down the line. But my point when you're talking about the Astros in a, in a vacuum, the fact that you have a guy like McCann there who has no problem talking to Carlos Beltron in any way. He was on well, board McCann with it. supposedly ch- no McCann was not on board. So with then, it. why didn't it shut down? So then, if he was such the godfather and he was he was he was able to to voice up to it, uh, and he benefited from the banging too. By the way, do you know do you know why he wasn't able to shut it down? And you know why AJ Hench wasn't able to shut it down? Because it was working. Yeah, of course, because they all wanted to do it. Because there was compliance on a lot of levels. Because it was it probably was coming down from Crane after he spoke with the intern. If you're cheating and you're going up there and you're still not hitting home runs, well, then, look, guys, what are we doing? But if you're cheating and you know a curveball's coming and you hit it to the moon, you're like, oh, that's fun. I have a cheat code. I just, I just turned on anti-gravity. 
It's also easy to say that Beltran was the guy when you look at the the um, who benefited or who had the all the bangs when you look back at that that uh, spreadsheet from what that dude did, uh, and the fact that he was uh, a player that doesn't play anymore, and that he was a, a new guy to the team, and he does have a track record, and all, and he's got you know links to Alex Cora, and he's just a very 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 convenient guy to take the rap. There was a very funny line in the athletic article. Is quoting some executive or some somebody in the Astros organization that said Beltran didn't even benefit from the the cheating system. His approach at the plate that year was take the first pitch and swing at the second pitch, no matter where it is. I think what should happen is someone should be looking at some off, trying to dig down in some offshore accounts to see uh, how much money he was paid to take the fall. That's what I'm thinking. Beltran doesn't need money. Yeah, but he would to take a fall like this. Even if it was him in, in some level, like it's a very convenient guy to throw everything on. He's, he's basically, he's like, I don't want to coach the Mets. Like, thank you for doing that. That was, that was nice. And, uh, and now he's just basically taking it all. He's going to go back to Puerto Rico, live, live an awesome life, live it on a beach or whatever. And yeah, would not surprise me if there was money, money under the table at all. Would not surprise me. We don't have mailbag questions this episode. If you guys want to submit questions, bronxpinstripes.com slash podcast. You can do the submit form. You can shoot us an email. You can tweet us and DM us and Facebook us and all that other stuff. I think once spring trading starts to roll, we will get some more mailbag questions. Um, the Astros stuff obviously uh, was powering a lot of the mailbag questions uh, for the offseason. Let's get to out of left field. That out and Sanchez destroys that to left field. There it goes. Deep to left. Really deep. In the air to left field. Back at the track at the wall. We are tied. I pissed on a public building. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Scott. So you have a you, you got you got a little problem with voice commands? <laughs> so yeah, my here's my uh my little out of left field, and this is uh this is this is again growing up in a different age, right? You're you're growing up in, a, and I love technology. Don't get me wrong. I think everything that's that, that's happening is a is is a good thing when used correctly. But this voice activation nonsense. First of all, half the time it's not as convenient as it as people say it is. There's I have I have like some really good Bluetooth headphones that you have to tell the the headphones to go volume up or volume down. I don't want to no do button. No, it's all like, it's just like... Well, obviously you could use it on your phone. I could use my phone to, to, to do it, but if my phone's like across the room and I want to turn it down... Are they, are they AirPods? No, they're, um, they're not. They're, they're over-the-ear, like just that I said, oh, Bluetooth yeah, yeah. headphones. And anyway, so I think people are getting a little cocky with it. <laughs> At the same time, like I just want a little, little dial or, or something, even if it's a touch button. Let me do that. But my gripe here, here's the gripe. The person... That, and I was tweeting about this, that invented voice activation. The person who invented Alexa did not have a child. There's no <laughs> possible way that guy or, or girl kids. had a child. He's not the guy. That's, he's the one funding it. Because now Kemp can clearly say, Alexa. Alexa this. This is like growing Alexa up that. in the digital Alexa age. This. We just talked about Alexa this. that. And you can't stop him. I can't put a, uh, I can't put a zipper on his mouth. He's just going to talk to Alexa. And Alexa's always there. Alexa doesn't go away unless I turn, turn her, her off. off. And then, then what's, what's the point of having it? But, but he, now he can Kemp start. is basically growing up with a digital butler. Yes. He can start the music. He can stop the music when he wants. He can tell Alexa to put on something on television. He can tell her to turn it off. If he gets into a, 
you know, his own little world and is in a, 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 in a, in a mood where he wants to do something and you can't get him out of that. He could tell Alexa to do something and it's only going to get worse for, I think a few more years. Do you, it's only a few years of your life. You'll get, you'll, you'll get past it. Do you remember the first time you caught him? It's not that I can't, I, oh, there was a progression. It was, it was okay. a progression of being able to actually Did, articulate the word Alexa. And now it's gotten it, to the point where it's clear as day. I'm picturing like in uh, Planet of the Apes when like you start realizing the monkeys are becoming sentient. And you're like, oh my God, he's like, it's happening. He's learning. Yes, that's, he's learning. that's like, exactly. He's starting, to, he's starting, he's sounding out Alexa. Oh God, I see where this is going. How do I stop it? The bowl of the snowball has started down the hill. You cannot get it back. No, as soon as I heard him go, oh, like it's just gibberish Alexa. And just like saying something with the same inflection that I would say it. I was like, oh, I am screwed. Can you, can you, so you know how Siri, you can change the name of Siri. You can call Siri whatever you want. Yeah. You can call it Bumblebee if you, if you want to. Right. Can you do that for Alexa? I don't know, but. So but, switch it up on Kemp. So he, he's saying Alexa, but she's not listening. He's a parrot. He's going to, he's going to understand that whatever I'm saying is there's something happening. There's, these kids are smart, man. I'm telling you, they're growing, they, they, <laughs> they're growing them smart these they, days. Uh, and the other thing, the, the other thing that, that I don't think a lot of people realize is how intuitive all of these devices and voice commands and everything is. These, all of these things were built so that an idiot could do it or built so that a toddler could do it or a very young child could do it. Because now, I mean, he, he could pick up a phone and start swiping in the, in like the correct manner of swiping. It's crazy. You gotta, you gotta start teaching him some things that like we grew up with pre-technology. So I do. He has some street skills. Oh, I do. Trust me. It's one of those things that I think about. I'm like, I don't want him to be completely reliant on these devices and voice commands. Like, I'm going to teach you to do things the hard way sometimes. It's like, listen, this is how we used to listen to me. See this button? We used to have to press that button. I used to have to get off my ass when the, when the, <laughs> when the flicker was broken and, and change. Uh, I mean, like, that's not it. I, I always had a remote. But, you know, yeah, I'm going to make life difficult in certain areas just so he understands it. <laughs> of course I'm going to do that. <laughs> yeah, I can only imagine. I don't have an Alexa or Google Home or anything like that. And on my phone, I turn off. I turned off Siri. It's pissed me off. Yeah, no, it's I mean, it's not that I, I'm not naive enough to know to think that my phone's still not listening to me. I know it is, but I, I don't like it just randomly thinking I'm trying to do a voice command when I'm not. My sister and brother in law have. Uh, the the command system throughout the whole house like it's they do they control the lights, lights they the control lights, yeah. everything with Leanne's with Amazon the same way and it's yeah. cool but at the same time I'm like damn kind of scary it's very convenient for for when I watch him like close up shop at the end of the night he's just like Alexa do this that this and like everything just shuts down like that's pretty awesome and the fact that you could do it remotely very convenient but when the kids start getting into play like and I know he'll grow out of it and he'll understand. And he's already starting to understand, like, don't do that when it's not the right time. Um, but yeah, the beginning was like, here, here's the, the understanding and the realization that he's able to do things now by just talking is crazy. Well, maybe he should use Alexa to learn the rest of the words to take me out to the ballgame. Oh, are you, are you, are you, are you, is that a shot? Is that a shot at Kemp for not knowing all, is that a shot at a two-year-old for not knowing all of the words? It wasn't a shot. I think it was. It was a suggestion. I'm going to. I'm going to tell him Andrew, that's who he calls you, is taking a shot at <laughs> Except your he won't say it to me. He, get, he gets camera shy whenever you put him on, on our Skype calls to uh, start the podcast. He, he's always got it down beforehand, and then the, 
the the camera goes on the bright lights he gets he gets cold feet so shots when he shot takes number over this shot number two at camp in the last 30 seconds it's not a shot he needs to, he because he's going to take over the podcast one day so he's going to he's learned how to talk he's, he's going to have to get comfortable uh on camera and on on mic well he'll probably be able to do it by voice activations alexa turn on the microphone alexa stream live and then just start talking into a perfectly uh, the microphone the microphone that you know is in his eyelashes and he'll be able to uh, talk. Alexa Alexa express my thoughts on the Yankees right now yeah yeah just just, just sit, say sit it back. he just sits yeah. back and chills yeah so I'm I'm sure he'll be fine yeah that was uh if no one knows what we're talking about to take me out to the ball game you tweeted out a video of him uh, singing along to take me out to the ball game it was a really cute video it was more and, of my uh, like horrible singing it was you it. you singing and him him getting enthusiastic about the the lines that he remembered it was very funny yeah he knows the lines it's the, the like the timing and all that yeah. he, he, it's not there the my favorite yeah. part is when uh um <laughs> when he just starts like shaking his hand and like going ah for no reason it's just it's hilarious. That's like a, it's like a John Sterling. Duh. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of what it is. That's kind of what it is. But is he gonna is he gonna go to his first game at the stadium this year? He's already been. No, he's been. We did that. He, I thought. Yeah, baby. You know, he's, no, you did Tampa, but uh, he went to hug season. Uh, Labor Day weekend. Oh yeah, Labor Day weekend. That's right. He did it. Okay. So he had his. Uh, no, I I think uh, I see. Kevin. Oh, that was the game. Mike Ford hit the walk off. Yep, that's yeah. exactly it. And um, no, I see him uh, make showing up at some of these events this year too. So I think he's uh, oh, nice. he's getting to that point where he's going to be able to, he's he's pumped up for baseball, man. Pretty much every sporting event that we see on TV is Yankees. It's like Does he's just he, Yankees. I know he's a monster truck guy. So is he for, right for now today. a bigger monster truck fan or a baseball fan? Depends which way the wind's blowing, honestly, and, <laughs> and what's on TV. So if you put if you put football on or basketball, like the first thing is Yankees. So he's learning the fact that there's different things and different teams and all that stuff. Yeah. So yeah, we're getting there, man. By opening day, he's gonna know every every starting player and every position. He's almost there. All right, that's gonna do it for this episode. Like I said, submit your mailbag questions for next week. We're rapidly approaching spring training. I cannot wait for that. We're ironing out all the details um, for the after party sponsored by Sailor Jerry. We've got uh, some things going on at the house. We're going to be pumping out content. It's going to be a really fun weekend. I'm going back-to-back weekends because I'm doing that Tampa weekend and then the next weekend Nashville for uh, my buddy's bachelor party. So Nice. I am – you don't even want to know. I'm going uh, Seattle, Washington, back for three days, out to San Francisco for a week, back for five, six days, down to Tampa. Okay, you're coming back for three days from Seattle to SF. Just go. It's like four. It might be like four days. Because I don't want to sit there for four days. Put it in my ass. Yeah. Okay, then. <laughs> Let's end it at that. <laughs>